Support for Kansas City Today comes from Cleveland University, Kansas City. From its roots as a chiropractic college to new degree programs in health sciences, CUKC is educating healthcare professionals focused on next-level health. Learn more at cleveland.edu slash impact. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. Today is Tuesday, September 6th. Coming up, a look at Missouri's new photo ID requirement and why the state's top election official thinks it's needed, despite concerns that it will discourage some people from voting. But first, our weekly look at the latest in Kansas and Missouri government and politics. Kansas Attorney General and Republican gubernatorial nominee Derek Schmidt says if he's elected, he will sign a bill preventing transgender girls and women from competing on girls and women's sports teams. Current Democratic Governor Laura Kelly vetoed the bill when it was passed by the legislature earlier this year. Schmidt told KCMO radio host Pete Mundo last week that public opinion supports limiting transgender athletes. It is about making sure that our young women and girls have the opportunities that they've worked hard for to compete and succeed and do it in a fair way. And I think we need leaders who will stand up on that and defend that position. Most Democrats in the LGBTQ community say transgender athlete bans are discriminatory. It's likely that such a ban in Kansas would affect only a few people. A UCLA study finds that only about a half percent of Americans, age 13 and older, identify as transgender. Meanwhile, a Kansas school district has agreed to pay $95,000 to settle with a former teacher who refused to use the name and pronouns of the student's identity. KCUR's Jody Fortino has the story. Pamela Ricard, a now former teacher at Fort Riley Middle School, sued the district in March, alleging she was suspended for three days for addressing a student by their, quote, legal and enrolled last name instead of their preferred one. Her attorneys with the Alliance Defending Freedom called the settlement with Gary County Schools a victory for free speech at public schools, unquote. The Southern Poverty Law Center has designated the organization as a hate group for its anti-LGBTQ ideology. A spokesperson for the district confirmed that a settlement was reached, but otherwise had no comment. The Kansas City Police Department has agreed to pay $1.5 million to settle a wrongful death lawsuit brought by the parents of a man fatally shot by officers in 2018. KCUR's Dan Margulies reports. The lawsuit was brought by the parents of Robert White, who appeared to have been randomly assaulted by Timothy Mosley while White was seated at a table at Barney Alice Plaza. When police arrived on the scene, Mosley grabbed White as a human shield. Two police officers fired a hail of bullets at the two men, killing them both. Donna Drake, a spokeswoman for the police department, said that any loss of life was tragic and the department actively sought to resolve the case. A private security firm, United American Security, also agreed to settle, but that settlement is confidential. This November, Missouri's elections introduce voters to a new set of requirements for photo identification at the polling place. Supporters of the new rules say they'll help preserve election integrity. Opponents, though, say the risk of voter fraud is overstated and that this law is really designed to discourage some people, people in communities thought to be more likely to vote Democratic, from voting. Missouri's Republican Secretary of State, Jay Ashcroft, was a major advocate for the new policies, and he recently spoke with Steve Kraske on KCUR's Up to Date about how the voting process will work and about the controversy around the new provisions. That conversation is edited here for length. So how big of a challenge do you face, Mr. Secretary, when it comes to getting the word out about this new requirement? Because it's a big change for a lot of people. Well, there are two things. One, uh, the law is designed in such a way that if people don't know that it's been changed, they'll still be able to vote. And that, that was the most important thing for us is we wanted people to know that if they show up on Election Day and they're registered, whether or not they know about the law, 
uh, they'll be able to vote. But secondly, we do want to encourage people to, to use their government-issued photo ID. That'll help move them through the process more quickly. It's more secure. And of course, we want people to know that if they don't have that government ID, we will provide them one for free. If they need underlying documents, even if it's from another state or you know something like that, we are happy to get those documents for them. We're happy to do it for free. And most importantly, we want Missourians to participate. If they're registered, they can vote. So if they do show up, just to clarify a point here, they show up to vote on election day, they don't have the proper ID, you're saying they can vote. That'll be what, a provisional ballot? Yeah, they'll vote a provisional ballot. I voted a provisional ballot in August of this year. I was in my car going to the polling place and realized I had forgotten my my driver's license that I was planning on using. Shouldn't be driving without it. I understand that. Um, (laughs) And um, was going to turn around and I said, you know what? I want to make sure this works. Because I feel that's my duty to the people to say it. I'm telling them that it will work. I wanted to verify that it would. It did. People should trust the system. It'll work. They need to participate. Okay, and if they vote provisionally, what does that mean? Oh, when you vote provisionally, you will get a ballot just like any other ballot. You'll go ahead and fill that out. But instead of running that through the tabulator right then and there, there is a provisional ballot envelope that you'll put that in. They will seal that. You'll fill out some information about yourself. You'll sign that because we want to be able to use that information, including your signature, to verify that you are who you say you are. We don't want to know how you voted when we're determining whether or not your ballot will count. And then the top of that envelope has a little pull tab. I don't mean to say that voting is like a 50-50 raffle, but it's similar to that where the ballot envelope has a, a sequential number on it. Your pull tab has a sequential number on it. So you can not only verify, not only have voted that provisional ballot, but then you can call the election authority two weeks later to see whether or not that ballot was counted, if it wasn't, why it wasn't. And that's all done before certification. But in the normal course of action, you fill out that ballot, you fill out the envelope, put the ballot in the ballot envelope, and then that's put aside in a secure location until the polls close. Then the election authority goes through the information on the outside of that envelope to verify that you are who you are. They're required to do that. When they're done doing that and say, yep, that person, signatures check, they run your ballot through the tabulator, your vote counts. It's that simple. Okay. Um, Let's talk a little more in detail about how this is going to work. To be able to vote and have your vote counted without delay, your office says it's best to have uh, a form of government-issued identification. What forms, uh, Jay, will be accepted going forward? You know, the the four main ones, and then there's a catch-all in the law, but the four main ones are going to be your Missouri driver's license that's not expired or it's expired since the last election, a Missouri non-driver's license. And when you reach a certain age, I think it's 70, you can get one of those that never expires. You can use a passport. You can use a military ID. Uh, And then the the law actually has a catch-all. So if it's an ID uh, that's given out by the state or given out by the feds and it meets specific criteria, those will also be acceptable. I would encourage anyone that's concerned that they may not have an ID that would work or if they want to know if what they do does work, give our office a call. Go online. Fill out the form. There's a little box where you can send us information. We'll get back to you. We're happy to have a live individual walk you through the process. We want everyone to to feel safe and secure and participate. So to be involved in elections going forward might mean for some people you have to engage a little bit before election day to make sure things are set up appropriately. We would really like people to, to be involved by engaging, if nothing else, to know what's on the ballot. So yes, we always want people to be involved before election day. Uh, It will be easier. We'll know that your address is correct. We'll pull up your information uh, the way we should. If you scan your ID, that works really well. But 
if you don't, if you're registered and you could have registered 20 years ago and you've never moved, you're still there, you can walk into your polling place on Election Day, you will be able to vote and your vote will count. So I have a driver's license or a non-driver's ID that will expire before November. So as long as I get to the motor vehicle office before it expires and renew it, I'm good to vote. Well, that would work. But also, if it expired uh, before November but after the last election, it's still good. Okay. The idea being that we want to make sure there's a little bit of a grace period because we want people to be able to participate. But even if you don't have that ID you still get to vote. You know, Mr. Secretary, for a lot of people listening, this might sound like a lot of rigmarole just to take part in an, an election. Uh, you're suggesting, again, anyone can go vote. You can vote provisionally. You, that, that message is coming through loud and clear. But is this new law, is it a step forward in, in your mind for the state of Missouri? Is this a, a, Are we going to be better off for it going forward? Yeah, I, I think it, uh, it it totally is. If When you think about what you need in an election, and unfortunately politicians generally don't <clears> think <throat> that deeply, for an election you need to have accessibility, you need to have security, and you need to have credibility. And by credibility, I mean people have to understand that it was well run, and if they won, they won fairly. If they lost, they lost fairly. This election bill uh, helps with access. This photo ID makes sure that if you're registered, you can vo- vote which we ought to all be able to agree on. Uh, but it also uh, creates more security, makes it a little bit more difficult if people want to cheat. And I think that helps with the credibility. And if you look at 2020, we had uh, a certain group of individuals that had disagreements about how secure the election was. If you look at 2016, we had generally the polar opposite political spectrum that believed that there are problems with the elections. And I, I think it's always appropriate for government to try to do things better as, and with re- elections, as long as we can do those three things at the same time, accessibility, security, and credibility, that should satisfy everyone. You know, your office, uh, you are the chief elections officer <laughs> for the state of Missouri. And I'm wondering, how safe are, are, is our election process and system in the state right now? You know, I feel really good about our, our, our election processes. I should uh, thank the 116 local election authorities across the, the state that actually run our elections, our, our boards of elections, our county clerks, um, our election administrators. They actually run the elections. The Secretary of State's office just tries to come alongside and assist them to provide the necessary resources, be a knowledge base for them. But also, it's not just those 116 local election authorities. It's the thousands of individuals individuals that that sign up to be poll workers. And when people have concerns about how our elections are run, I'm not scared. I invite them to be poll workers. Come come inside and see how it's done. I invite them to be poll watchers and to be poll challengers. Yes, we every election we find some amount of vote fraud. We refer that to, to prosecutors to, to deal with those individuals. We have not seen systematic vote fraud in, in any of our elections uh, that I've run, and we're working to make sure that continues. But I would invite any Missourian that has questions, uh, taste and see. Come yeah. and participate in our elections. Come behind the, the, the door and see what it's done like. You'll have far more confidence. You know, the argument has long been, as you well know, Democrats saying there isn't any voter fraud in the state of Missouri. Republicans insisting, well, there either is or there could be, and we need more safeguards. How much voter fraud, you just used the word, how much voter fraud is there in the state of Missouri? Well, I mean, we know that elections have been changed. We had a state representative race 
that was changed over on the Kansas City side maybe 12, 15 years ago. He's now the, the Senate Minority Leader. Um, his uh, uh, aunt and uncle, I guess it is, pled guilty in a court of law uh, to illegally voting in that election. He won by one vote. Um, we saw in 2016 in a primary for a state rep race, uh, uh, the challenger Bruce Franks was running against the state representative and uh, a judge in St. Louis City threw out that race because there were so many irregularities with absentee ballots. I, I think the important thing to ask is, can we make sure we have accessibility while we have security and credibility? And we can. And I think it's ridiculous that that some of us have, have come to the belief that uh, elected officials can only do one of those three. We need to raise the bar. We need to expect more out of the people that work for us. But systemic voter fraud, you're suggesting, does not exist? We haven't exist. seen it in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's where I focus my time on. Have we seen it in other states? Uh We've seen problems in other states. I mean, historically, we saw it in Missouri. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, the, the Pendergast machine is 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 a while back, but uh, I know you're educated on that. Uh, uh, Representative Don Roan from the Boot Hill talks about things that he's seen happen down in the Boot Hill. Uh, I have a, a ballot box in my office that was manufactured in St. Louis. I think it was around 1860, 1840, somewhere <laughs> in that time frame. I might have stolen it from my dad. And, um, you know, even when that was produced, it had a lock on it because people understood that with, with the things that are at stake with elections, people would try to cheat. And I think as long as we can make sure that every uh, registered voter can vote, they have that good access, we ought to do everything we can to also make sure we have security and that people believe in our elections. Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft spoke on KCUR's Up to Date with Steve Kraske. A quick note about those voter fraud cases Ashcroft mentioned. It's true that Senate Minority Leader John Rizzo's aunt and uncle pleaded guilty to voter fraud after they registered at a false address to vote in the 2010 Democratic primary for his House seat. It's also true that a 2016 House primary in St. Louis was overturned when a large number of improper absentee ballots had been cast. But neither of those cases involved photo ID, and neither would have been prevented under the newly imposed voting regulations. This is Kansas City Today. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To hear the rest of Steve Kraske's conversation with Jay Ashcroft and anything else from our daily talk show up to date, visit kcur.org, where you can also listen live to Kansas City's NPR station. Be sure to listen the next two days for a look at the Kansas 3rd District Congressional election. Tomorrow, my conversation with Republican Amanda Adkins. And on Thursday, our talk with the incumbent Democrat, Representative Sharice Davids. Nomeen Ujiyadeen returns tomorrow. I'm Brian Ellison. Thanks for listening. Thank you.